I wore my first pair of earrings to a former company I used to work with, a mortgage company. And a good friend of mine said, so where did you get those earrings from? And I said, well, I made them. (laughs) And she said, are you serious? (laughs) And I said, yes. And she's like, well, I want them like right now. Can you make me a pair? Well, no, don't even make me a pair. I want the ones you're wearing right now. I'm like, literally (laughs) off out of my ears. Like, I'm pretty sure this isn't sanitary, but I was like, I have an alcohol prep. We can work it out. She was like, it's fine. They go with this outfit that I have. I want them. Welcome to Keep Going, a podcast from Azuma that shares motivational stories from small business owners. I'm Greg. And I'm Ben. And we're your hosts for this episode. Today, we're talking with Sam, the founder of New Vintage by Sam, a company that liberates the world through art, fashion, and creativity. Sam, welcome. Thank you so very much for having me. Sam, it's a pleasure to meet you and to get on here and talk with you. Why don't you start by telling us a little bit about where you grew up and what led you into this field of fashion? I am from Baltimore with love. And as the youngest in the family, I had to occupy myself in my creative mind. So (laughs) that looked like using different things to create, whether it was drawing or painting and sometimes taking things apart and putting them back together, like my mom's chandelier to make a pair of earrings. (laughs) Uh, I just have always been a creative child. It's always been my creative outlet. Oftentimes when I would feel alone and unseen from the world, I would rest in the artistic space. So I am a mother of one now and a wife as well. And art and fashion and style and creativity is just a part of my everyday language. It's something that I use as an empowering tool. And I really love to show others how to tap into art for themselves and use it as an outlet. That is really interesting. You know, I have a daughter who is very artistic. She spends hours drawing and creating things that are really neat to see. But you just identified that space in a way that I hadn't really thought about it happening with my daughter mm-hmm. before. You said when you kind of felt alone or isolated or unseen that you would go to art and creativity to kind of meditate there. Tell me a little bit more oh, yeah. about that. Absolutely. I mean, as I understand now being an adult and a parent, I realized that my folks just didn't have the capacity or energy to sometimes be as present with me as they would have liked to have been because they were focused on the big things, you know, the bills and going to work and all of those things that adulting brings. So for me, really being able to like center my focus to art was a way for me to start designing things that I loved early. And that translated into my adult years as being able to understand that I am the artist of my life, essentially, and I can recreate and redesign things and erase and draw and really create my own kind of standard. So yes, while it started off small as me using art as like that superficial tool to just draw some pictures, it really translated as an adult for my power to be able to create a life I love. That is really neat. Tell me real quick a little bit more about the chandelier story. So (laughs) this one time at band camp. Okay. So my mom had a chandelier in the garage and I thought that it was off limits. You know how your parents just had these excessive things in the garage? Like my parents aren't hoarders by any means, but sometimes there were just items that just hung around in the garage forever. So of course I made the executive decision to say, well, 
we don't need this anymore. So this has been here for a while. I'm going to go ahead and do something to it. So I just kind of took apart and unassembled these like little gems. They were really, really pretty. And I kind of assigned them to like this little jump ring and figure out a way to kind of Frankenstein my first pair of earrings. And my mother saw them and I think she was in between a rock and a hard place, not really wanting to like smother my artistic ability, but really feeling some type of way that I had destroyed her chandelier. (laughs) But we made it over that hump. (laughs) That's great. You didn't get punished for it then. No, no, not at all. Um, no, <laughs> she was just very disappointed and warned me never again to touch the items in the garage without her or my dad's consent. Uh-huh. But it sounds like that's a good story. That was kind of instrumental in expressing your creativity and helping you find yourself in this a little bit more, right? Definitely. I mean, at school, I felt like a little bit of a weirdo as well. Because I live in Baltimore, but not in the actual city, a lot of my schools were located in the city. So I would have to trek a little bit of a ways to get there. And then because our culture was a little bit different and I definitely had more of an isolated childhood and that I didn't go outside to play in the neighborhood because it was like no kids in the neighborhood that were my age. I would just be in the house drawing and sketching. But when I would get to school, it would be almost like the social awkwardness that I'd have because I hadn't been socializing as much with folks my own age. Until I found my tribe. And those were the artistic folks as well. So we will be creating and doing fun things together. And I was okay with that. But definitely art allowed me to understand the importance of being able to design the life that I love. But also just if I rest in the space that I enjoy, my tribe will be attracted to me. So that was a great learning lesson as well. Like I didn't have to jump through hoops to try to appease and appeal to all of these other folks who they didn't see me anyway. I was just like, nope, I'll just rest in the corner and do my sketching. And then the folks who were aligned with me found me. That's great business advice and great life advice, right? Yeah, I tell you, I didn't realize I was onto something back then. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) um, Now I sometimes feel like in conversation, folks are a little like, huh, like, you know, that makes sense. And that's something that you can segment and apply today in your adult years. I really feel like life is a simple thing. However, it can feel complicated because we've got all these complex emotions and feelings and things that we're trying to do for ourselves. And That's why I always rest in art because it's a joyful space. And I feel like if you lead with love and if you lean into what feels good first, I think that everything else will fall into alignment from there. Not negating that discomfort will come, but understanding that in the discomfort, there is growth. But we all have to understand what it is we love and like. So that way we have a safe space to rest. And I think that allows for a better flow of all of the things. That's so good. Very sage advice there. So you kind of started moving through school, finding your tribe, realizing kind of where your strengths were with there, maybe some of your gifts and passions were with this. What led to you eventually starting New Vintage? Well, I'll be honest with you. While art I loved, I unfortunately absorbed... You know, the whole starving artist concept that you you can't really make money and be an artist, can you? Like, how does that work? Can you really sustain a family, a living and 401ks and all that? Like, what does that look like from the artist's perspective? So to be honest with you, I very much was still entrenched into the academics of it all. My parents are very much a stickler about do the work. You can draw and color and paint to the high heavens, but your homework has to be done and these grades have to be right. So I was 
still very much a buckled down student. I studied hard. I made the honors roll, all of the good things, all of the activities and extracurricular things as well. So I went to college and didn't even think about making things for a living, if you will, like making things to sell. While I understood art was like a creative safe space for me, I didn't have that confidence of being able to sell my work. And truth be told, I really hadn't even sharpened my muscle in whatever product that I would have considered to produce at that time. So while, yes, I did have a good time putting together some earrings, I'm pretty sure they weren't quality. I'm pretty sure that they were still kind of Frankenstein. So they had like the little jagged edges and they just weren't pretty at all. As I continued to work and to have fun and to visit my local Michaels and Joanne Fabrics, I started to incorporate more tools into my arsenals and the beads became like a good space for me to build my confidence in creating something that was wearable, that actually looked nice, had a good aesthetic. So I started creating beaded bracelets first. I wore my first pair of earrings to a former company I used to work with, a mortgage company, and a good friend of mine said, so where did you get those earrings from? And I said, well, I made them. (laughs) And she said, are you serious? And I said, yes. And she's like, well, I want them like right now. Can you make me a pair? Well, no, don't even make me a pair. I want the ones you're wearing right now. I'm like, literally (laughs) off out of my ears. Like, I'm pretty sure this isn't sanitary, but I was like, I have an alcohol prep. We can work it out. She was like, it's fine. They go with this outfit that I have. I want them. So I took them out. I cleaned them. I tried to package them up as best I can because I'm such a presentation girl. (laughs) She purchased them from me at a discount, of course, because I still had not sharpened that confidence muscle and being able to sell something that I made. But she was the person who affirmed me in being able to resell something that I had created from scratch. Oddly, her name is Hope. So I love that story because she gave me the hope to continue to create, but with a business mindset now. Still understanding that I love to create and enjoy it, but understanding also that folks value my creations. So fast forward to about 2000 and let's see, 10, 11. By this time I had crunched out some product and I was um, going to local festivals and things and really getting my feet wet with vending. And then it wasn't until 2014, I literally quit my job three days before I got married and was like, I'm just going to do this thing. I'd seen a little bit of revenue from working my business at vending events. And I felt that if I did not give myself a good push, if I didn't believe in myself in that point, I felt like I would just be in a cubicle for the rest of my life regretting it. So I talked to my partner, my husband now, and he's like, you know what? I support you. I appreciate him also because partnership in growing a business and being a dreamer is super important in making sure that you have the best partner to allow you to grow. When you are a business owner, oh, it's such a scary space. And if you are partnered with someone who maybe isn't in the entrepreneurial space, it can be a little trying sometimes as well, just making sure that the communication isn't stunted across the board. But we did very well. He supported me. I love him so much for that. And once I quit my job, I just gave myself a good thrust into the entrepreneurial pool and here we are. It hasn't always been easy. I will say that. <laughs> really? It has, wow, that's surprising. <laughs> it has not been easy at all, but it has been worth it. It has grown me in so many beautiful ways. That's a, a great story and great to hear. That is. 
our personal development along the road of our entrepreneurial pursuit is so much greater than I think we could perceive before we start heading into it. It's amazing how much you grow as you try and make this business work. Yeah. You're building a plane while in the air. (laughs) At least that's how I felt. I'm like, I don't know. Where does this go? Does this connect here? And you're really feeling around in the dark. And I think in those dark moments, you recognize what's going on internally that, you know, kind of ripples outward and causes these impacts on my work and how I'm showing up and so forth. And then you realize, oh, wait, there's sometimes when I'm self-sabotaging or there's times when I could maybe change my perspective on this a little bit. Or sometimes you're so close to the project because it is your baby that you're super sensitive. That does a thing as well. So yeah, I definitely agree that personal development is a strong key to success in business. I feel like building a business was honestly my vessel to therapy. (laughs) Exactly. You talk about it not always being easy. I think a lot of times, especially as a small business owner, sometimes you look at other people's businesses or people look at your business and all they see is the beautiful website that you have. Oh, Everything yeah. looks like it's just like this well-oiled, put-together machine. And they're like, man, Sam really knows what she's doing. It's the highlight reel. Right, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Behind the highlight reel, what were some of those challenges that you faced as you were trying to get this up and going? Well, definitely starting out and building my confidence in the space of being and knowing that there is value that I offer with my product and service offerings. Two, incorporating all of the other moving parts of my life while building a business. It was almost like I got married, I started a business, and then a year later I had a baby. So there were all of these shifts, (laughs) major shifts, and I didn't think that they were major shifts. I was like, why didn't I think that they were major shifts? (laughs) But never done this before, never done marriage, never done motherhood, but I can do it. I'm cool. I'm good. Yeah. Uh, Nope. I had to absolutely take a moment to recalibrate. And that to me was a little bit of a trying time because in that recalibration period, it's like I have to be still. And sometimes being still for me is troubling because I am a mover. I love to go. I'm a thinker. I'm a visionary. I'm a fast action kind of gal. So sitting still and having to really take inventory, almost like Neo in the Matrix, like slow the things down and put things in place so that you can put the start button on and then the momentum can pick up and then you don't feel like you're getting run over by everything. So being able to be still so that I can recalibrate my space and honor these roles and different hats that I was wearing, because what I did not want to do was in building a business, now push away my family. I absolutely am like, no, I want it all. We can have it all. And how does one have it all, especially if you haven't necessarily seen someone as the model or template for that? Again, reverting back to my thinking of just being able to design the life that I wanted to live. So I had to redefine some things for myself. Like what is success for me? And not in the terms of, oh, I have to have a six-figure business and so forth, but legitimately writing down the bullet points, what is success for me being a wife? What is success for me being a mom? What is success for me being a business owner? And ultimately all of them are woven. And it's just like, well, if one of those falls, then to me, that's not being successful. That absolutely was something that I had to take my time with. Most recently, the challenges are building a team and being open to welcoming those folks because 
I have trust issues sometimes. <laughs> you consider like building a baby. This is your thing. It takes so much time to build this and to create a culture and to build an audience and to build trust with your audience that you don't want to just welcome someone into the space and then they're just like, yeah, Tarzan and, you know, just kind of messing things up yeah. for you. So my space now is being open to welcoming a team, but being very clear about what my needs are. And this is also back to that personal development piece, having to ask myself, well, what is it that you don't like to do? What is it that grinds your gears about business? Write it down and see what from that list you can delegate. So that way it allows you to have a little bit more of a light energy because that list is shortened for those things that you kind of dread doing. And you have more space to just sew into those areas where you love to work. So yeah, I would say that those things have absolutely been a challenge. I'm expecting some more down the road, but this is where we are right now. They're very legitimate things, right? That handover. Yeah. Baby. I mean, that's it's a tough. That's yeah. Wild. <laughs> yeah, very much so. I'm working on it though. Just onboarded a virtual assistant and I have some folks that work for my team when I am not in the state and or kind of doing my thing. They are selling my merchandise. So I love it. They are aligned with my brand in the capacity of what they're doing in their own personal businesses. It's kind of similarly related or we're talking to the same audience. So Finding creative ways to build my team also has been very interesting. Yeah, that's cool. Very cool. So you've mentioned a Thank couple of times this concept, which I really love, is being the artist of your own life and the same mm-hmm. thing being like the artist of your business, designing how you want that to look and then going after and fulfilling that dream. It seems like that's some really sage advice for anybody who's getting into business or it's a life advice. And again, it's business advice too, right? Yes, yes, definitely. Of course, my work ripples outward to not only include what I call the Healing Hardware Collection, where I'm just telling folks to be more mindful about how you adorn your bodies, uh, because what we wear matters. The Healing Hardware Collection has been a great outlet for me to continue to essentially demonstratively show how I'm taking care of myself. So I didn't start calling the Healing Hardware Collection the Healing Hardware wear collection until after I had my daughter. Before they were just bracelets. I was just making cool things and they were pretty and they had nice beads and all of those things. I mean, they were beautifully organized, but the symbolism and meaning behind the stones really did not hit home until after I had my daughter. Experiencing postpartum depression, which I did not know was postpartum depression at that time, really took me to a place where I was completely lost and disconnected from myself. I think there's not a lot of conversation about the rebirthing of the woman <laughs> in the motherhood process. So I knew that I was never going to be the same woman that I was again. And what did it look like to get familiar with this new person, the baby, myself, this new body, all of those things. And it was then when I started to do more research about the stones that I was touching and using I began to research amethyst for harmony and courage and then jasper for grounding energy and agate for like prosperity and hematite for dissolving negative energy. So understanding that somehow, some way these stones were speaking to me and recognizing I can craft these beautiful pieces of wearable art and it would help me to focus and summon that positive energy and whatever that I needed to bring into my space to feel rooted. So that absolutely 
is me designing a life that I love. It's just about changing the norm and creating my own narrative for life and how it's to flow. But in addition to that, I'm also broaching more of a conscious clothing conversation and just how we dress, like legitimately the clothing that we wear matters as well. We're not all supposed to fit in this box. And I think what we're witnessing now with all of these businesses starting and folks are really waving their flags for who they are and where they fall and so forth, it's just people really pushing against the grain of being put into that box. So that to me completely aligns with the message of designing your own life because while there's so many different outlets and avenues and resources and pieces of information, you kind of have to sort and sift through and cut, copy and paste to find your own blueprint versus just like taking someone's exact model and maybe applying it to your own. So just being open to creating what makes sense for you in your business. I think there's a strong appetite for that message among the world. Is that what led you to this book you wrote? You've got a book, Dressed in Motherhood. I love that title. And it seems to go along with that message you were just describing. Yes, thank you. I mean, honestly, I just got tired of sometimes the well-dressed person in the room can often have the most pretentious energy. As it pertains to fashion, I really wanted to remove that from the conversation and really help folks to focus on how they can excavate their true dopeness through their clothing. And I don't think that a lot of people in the fashion industry look or seek to affirm folks and who they are. I think a lot of times they're selling people on their limitations or just kind of presenting their insecurities and kind of hitting that hot button to drive home why you should take and absorb this product. But for me, I wanted to create something that started with the individual so that they would feel empowered to explore themselves and use fashion as that tool to do so. So that looks like honestly just understanding what you like and what you love in the clothing space. And if you like what other people are wearing, really take an inventory like, well, is it the color that you love or is it the structure of the garment? Just really asking yourself those questions and honestly, also being more intentional about how you're showing up. So I talked about the Healing Hardware Collection and how it's designed to really help people to be more mindful about what they place on their bodies. The workbook is really my stylosophies as it pertains to working through your process and figuring out your own formula. Because I work with a lot of women. And while this book is entitled Dressed in Motherhood, it's not exclusive for women. It's just starting with women first, because of course I am a woman, but the energy ripples outward. And anybody who wants to have that soft conversation with themselves is more than welcome to come into the fold. But what I found is that some folks won't show up in certain rooms Women will just stay at home in the house because perhaps it's their body or their clothes. They don't feel like it's just up to snuff. They're not wearing the red bottom heels or the quilted Chanel leather bag. And it's so unfortunate because we all have a gift to share. And some folks, they don't even put one foot in front of the other. And if I can help with something like a superficial element like clothing, I would love to just debunk and really kind of replace that feeling with more love and soul so that they don't view it as something that is not accessible to them. Just understanding that it doesn't matter what designer you wear. It's about the energy in your clothing. And being comfortable in your clothes doesn't necessarily translate to wearing t-shirts and sweatpants all the time. Um, and giving some forward thought about what you're wearing before you walk into the meetings. It really helps. 
I have this concept I call stress dressing. And that essentially just means like waiting until the last minute to figure out what you're going to wear. And a lot of the times in my experience, folks are like, they buy a whole lot of stuff at the last minute, they try it on, nothing works. Or maybe they just stuff themselves into the outfit because they got to get out of the door. Or maybe they're like in the outfit and they're poking and prodding at their fit, you know, and it looks uncomfortable and that energy shines through. So if you consider something like wardrobe planning and just forward thinking about how you want to show up to the events that you are going to, whether it's vacation or a podcast interview or a meeting, I think that that helps to create a better flow energetically for you to just focus on all the other things, whatever it is that your ministry is and where you're supposed to shine. If we take that concern of clothing off the table, I think it's so much easier to just enter the rooms you're supposed to be in. Absolutely. That's some wonderful advice and messaging there. If you don't mind, I'd just like to read a couple statements from the book that I can see online here. First one, here's a secret. True style icons don't ask permission. They wear what they feel. Mm -hmm. Uh, Here's another one. Fashion cannot validate you no matter how expensive or exclusive. And then uh, the last, don't compromise your sanity for style. I think those are some really fresh, helpful concepts to put forward in that space for sure. Thank you. I want to create something that everyone can see themselves in. My daughter even has developed this own culture for herself in clothing. She can't go to school without a skirt on. It's just, it's her staple piece. It's the thing that makes her feel girly. She loves unicorns. So understanding her and seeing her and knowing that this is something that helps you to feel confident. Honoring that for her and also myself has been such a cheat code to just being more confident and vibrant in my business as well. Now, what if she wanted to wear sweatpants every day to school? Would that just be like, fine? (laughs) You know, I don't even think that she's, you know, I'll be honest with you. I feel like if that were to happen, I would have to ask that she's feeling okay. Okay. She is a dressed young lady. Yes. She loves to put on an outfit. I need a book for uh, boys. (laughs) Don't wear your clothes to bed as pajamas and wear your pajamas to school the next day. (laughs) They they think it's one and the same. <laughs> I'll work on it. I got you. No problem. <laughs> well, this is a great discussion. I've enjoyed a lot of it. It's so refreshing to hear your story and the things that you're doing and your perspective on life and on business. Is there any other advice that you would have for small business owners out there, people that are thinking about starting their own business? Well, I'll start by quoting a good friend, Angel of the Spice Suite and Black and Forth. Start now and perfect later. That continues to resonate with me still to this day, only because perfectionism can really paralyze you. If you overthink too much about what folks are going to think, I mean, you've given it all of the consideration you can, you know that whatever you're wanting to share with the world aligns with your true message, just share it. The second thing is that you can absolutely create and design the life that you love. It will require you to be quiet and still and really kind of silence the noise around you. I love family and parents and all of those things, but sometimes those external forces can really kind of seep into our minds. And we really need to just be present with what we want and truly desire for ourselves to know that we've got this thing. We can uh, create it how we want it to look and just keep going. Don't stop. That's great. Well, our final question is that 
if you look deep and ponder on your journey and the challenges that you have faced or that come up from a day-to-day basis, what is it at the core that keeps you going? What keeps me going is that this is bigger than me. The feelings and notions and concepts that seemingly come to me so easily, I recognize that it's important for me to share to the world because it's about liberation. It's about giving others permission to access life on their own terms, to design life the way that feels good for them. That keeps me going because I'm liberating myself, but I'm also liberating the world as I share. Wonderful. Very good. This was fun. (laughs) Yeah, it was fun for us too. Thank you so much for taking the time. My pleasure. The one thing I was going to say is that deeper passion that you have about what you do makes what mm-hmm. you do so much more meaningful, right? You're not just making yeah. bracelets and you're not just selling bracelets. And it honestly just, so you know, it comes across on your website too, the way that you've presented the, the meaning behind what you're doing. And so I would just encourage you, you to keep it up. It's really, it's really incredible to see. Yes. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. We spent a lot of long nights, you know, <laughs> crafting this story. <laughs> Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks so much for being on and best of luck with everything you're doing. My pleasure. Same to you all. Thank you. Thank you listeners for joining us today. If you or someone you know would like to share your small business story, please go to mazumausa.com slash keep going and fill out the form at the bottom of the page. And if you are looking for tax advice for your small business, be sure to join our Keep Going Facebook group and check out our website at mazumausa.com.